punchline takes. Touchline Takes Podcast. Excuse me for being excited, people. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Touchline Takes. It is I, co-host Cam, along with co-host Carl here, bringing you another episode um, you might be wondering why uh, we're, we're coming in so rapid fire with episodes. I mean, two in two weeks. That's uh, it's, uh, it's Christmas. That is, I know that's uh, slamming touchline takes numbers. Um, so we, as many of you uh, also did, heard the news a couple days ago about Detroit City, and we we're like, all right, we, no excuses here. We got to get an episode out. We gotta we gotta mm-hmm. record our thoughts kind of as they happen before we um you know kind of forget or it's it's everything's kind of calmed down so carl i mean you were probably as shocked as i was i i think i didn't even (laughs) i don't even have words for it because it's just so ironic how last episode uh we were talking about for a good five to ten minutes like where do they go from here where does dcfc go from here with nisa you know they're just running through the league they're winning games winning league titles where do they go and both of us like thought about usl but both of yeah. us also were like no there's no way like they they'll they'll stay in nisa and you know they, they'll help build the league the rest of the league's gonna catch up like it's gonna make sense and then all of a sudden within like a day or so it's like boom they're going to the USL Championship, which, I mean, not just USL League 1, not just, you know, USL League 2. They're making the jump from NISA to the USL Championship. It, it was, I think, a shock for everybody who follows lower league soccer. Yeah, I think, man, um, it took us a second because we had to collect our thoughts mm-hmm. and think about what this meant for the team. Uh, and then also some information has come out since then to kind of describe maybe what, what sort of incentivized them to join. So uh, we're going to we're going to really dive into that one today. We're going to talk through this whole situation with DCFC. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to do a little bit on the future of Nisa post their probably their their flagship franchise leaving. Uh, and we're also going to talk a little USL playoffs. So we're going to try to tie in a lot of lower league stuff today. Um, one of these days, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a, a Euro review again for you guys here. But we've just found, you know, this is plenty of podcasts to talk about what's going on in right. Europe. Plenty of podcasts that uh, dive into the Premier League and Champions League. So um, we're, we're trying to cover something, as we've mentioned in a lot of our interviews and, and so on, uh, that's, you know, not as many people are paying attention to. So, right. um, yeah, let's let's dive right in, Carl. So DCFC, yeah, we first. got we got the news on that. Man, it, it kind of flew so fast and furious. But um, that yeah. news was now officially two days ago now right i i think about two days ago yeah i think there was the sort of announcement that they were having a owner or some sort of club right. meeting and then it was leaked i believe on reddit um that the discussion was going to be their move to the usl championship and within like a day or so they held the press conference and i mean and to think i i think the I wouldn't call it weird, but like the US, the Nisa season wasn't even like over yet. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and that that you know I think we'll we'll get to that a little bit, but yeah, that I think some people were a little confused about 
how quick that announcement came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so rumors were swirling on Monday. I think that's when we started picking up on it. And I think it was mostly based on the fact that people said there was an ownership meeting coming. And then once we got the the, the email, um, we didn't actually get it. Neither of us um, purchased shares when that, that, that chance was available, unfortunately. Uh, but plenty of people were posting screenshots. And it mm-hmm. became very glaring when... You kind of looked at the language, and it was about a big announcement for their future. And what else there's only be, so right? many things. Yeah, right. There's only so many things that could have been a big announcement about their future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we kind of knew USL was in the picture once that arrived. But, um, yeah, so we saw the rumors Monday. The official announcement came Tuesday. However, uh, I think really people sad, kind yeah. of deduced what was happening earlier on Tuesday because – USL championship website accidentally posted that DCFC were an expansion uh, prior to it being announced in any official capacity. So I know um, at the soccer goose on Twitter, he posted a screenshot of it. And then, um, you know, me and me and Carl had to see it for ourselves. So we went to USL championship website and were able to mm-hmm. find it um, as well and posted a screenshot just to prove that, you know, hey, this is it's a real, real thing. It's it's out there. So um, and then later on, we we did get the official announcement from, from USL as well as Detroit. Uh, I've got the press release open here, and it's it's pretty clear that this was a move to not only expand their level of competition, um, mm-hmm. but I think they also mentioned how it's everything streamed on ESPN, and they made a big point about noting that the final will be on regular ESPN, as we've talked about a couple times on the show, which is big. I mean, for in terms of exposure, it really doesn't get any bigger than that in sports. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I mean, we we really, or at least for me personally, I can't look at DCFC ownership and fault them for making this jump. Um, nothing against NISA, nothing, you know, against what that league is building. That league has such a bright future. It's moving in you know, the absolute right direction for what it wants to do, especially with soccer um, at the professional level here in the U.S. But for DCFC from a business, from a club standpoint, you make that jump to, you know, a league that's already well-established, that's already giving, you know, a lot of these clubs the publicity, the attention to allow them to grow in the scope of professional soccer in the United States. And You know, in hindsight, it it makes the most sense. You know, I I think right. last week we were both kind of you know humming and hawing about um, what we think they're gonna do, not really believing that they would actually you know do it. But looking back on it, you know, it, it just it makes the most sense for the club from you know an ownership and a business standpoint. Agreed, and I think you know we were talking about this right before we started recording, but uh, it hasn't been unusual for 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 DCFC to have to play at uh, high school stadiums where mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the home team attendance is maybe four or 500 people, uh, whereas they've been averaging, I think, over 4,000 fans a game at Keyworth uh, with, you know, peaks of like right around seven. Right. And I, I, I now they're going to be going to places like Louisville where they have a beautiful soccer-specific stadium. They should be seeing crowds above 10,000. And, you know, I'm not sure what kind of uh, away – supporter turnout dcfc will have but they could probably be one of the the better away supporter uh groups in the league uh Mm -hmm. so you know they'll be playing louisville they could probably potentially i'm not sure what kind of conference setup they'll see uh but that you know they could be coming down to tampa where there's you know four or five thousand fans playing there in a great little stadium 
um, there's just it's it's going to be a higher level of professionalism, and I think they also made that uh, noted in their press release that they hope that this will lead to uh, improvements to key worth as well, right? Uh, and just better opportunities for the club to pull in revenue and put that right back into the club and mm-hmm. back into the community as well as we've seen DCFC with their field house, uh, their youth programs, their uh, community outreach programs with their uh, adult league that they run. So I think there's a lot of benefit to DCFC. uh, And I think that's also a good way to bring us to the conversation on what kind of change this is going from the more open NISA to the the franchise model of USL. We've already seen that um, DCFC will be able to retain their intellectual property which is huge mm-hmm. in a very unique um, situation within usl i'm not sure how supporters of dcfc are feeling about paying the franchise fees that are associated with with usl but um clearly the ownership thought it was worth it no they clearly did and they clearly thought you know sort of the pros outweigh the cons um with this sort of thing um i think that was just a biggest shock though because we all looked at dcfc as sort of the poster boy of what nisa is what nisa wants to be and we never sort of kind of rationalized the thought about them jumping ship to like you were alluding to a more closed type of league a closed type of system um but it they, they just must feel like that this is the next step for the club. This is the next right. step for them. And from everything I've seen from supporters, at least on Twitter, um, it seems like they're in favor of this. You know, they're they're not upset with their club kind of shooting for the stars to put yeah. to lack of a better phrase. What And just to kind of summarize, Carl, what would you say uh, you've seen in terms of a rationalization for why this was the right move from their fans? Um, just... From a club standpoint and a growth standpoint, you know, you're growing the image of the club. You're growing, you know, sort of the image of what you want the club to be in the future, the revenue it brings in, um, the investments it brings in, um, like you were saying, the money it brings back to the community, you know, there's going to be more opportunities for that. And I think for a lot of fans, you know, as much as I have to imagine, they still love Nisa, they still are big on Nisa, they just thought saw this as the opportunity that you know who knows when nisa is going to be at this sort of stable Mm. point that the usl championship is right now so if you're dcfc do you wait around and kind of hope it gets to that point or do you take the opportunity and it's a perfect opportunity because usl championships looking to replace all these mls clubs that are going to be leaving great and when is the next time they're going to, you know, have an opportunity to almost get basically an open invite to, hey, come join the USL championship? Yeah, you know, I think to that point, there's probably been conversations like this taking place for a little while now. Right. Um, I'm not sure about the backroom kind of dealings. Like, I mean, especially I mentioned the intellectual property. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if maybe that was something that wasn't offered to them at first. And then later on down the line, it was. I think it's a similar situation to what happened a couple of years ago with Chattanooga FC. I think they were offered a similar um, deal and they didn't take it at the time, which led to the Croatia, uh, the Chattanooga Red Wolves mm-hmm. and USL one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. The other concern that I'm sure a lot of supporters had was, well, you know, USL is not exactly what we wanted. Um, it does, it does bring along with it the franchise model, but there are rumblings about the vote on ProRail in December in, in USL. Right. Uh, there's also everything that's gone wrong with NISA this year. Um, 
Nice has had problems with with owners not exactly being professional. Um, we've seen situations where games were just stopped because the lights went out. And yeah. it, it, I think they were seeing, you know, the refs didn't get paid. And, and not only did the refs not get paid, but uh, the league told DCFC supporters, the, the Northern Guard, that they were not allowed to have that poster up, say, or the TIFO up, saying that, uh, you know, pay the refs. So I think a lot of supporters had enough of how Nisa was being operated. I think you can kind of separate how it was operated and the ideals behind the league. Yeah. Um, the ideals behind the league are great, right? Like, in theory, Nisa is the future that a lot of United States soccer fans desire. However, right. the execution and the operation of it has left a little bit to be desired. Definitely. And I mean, I think that sort of brings up and maybe this is foresighting a bit too much, but like, are those kind of ideals and theories that Nisa is shooting for, are they even like plausible to happen? You know what I mean? Or is it sort of too, like, it, it, it feels like professional soccer here in the U.S., it's a foregone conclusion of what it's going to be. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, I think some people are, are concerned about that, that this is just this kind of a death blow to the open soccer system. But I'm not I'm not fully on that train. I mean, call me an honest, but I think that there's still a lot of work that NISA can do, mm-hmm. uh, especially we've talked about NISA Nation and kind of shoring up the amateur to professional pipeline. I think that is something they need to dive into. They need to be a little less concerned with bringing in uh, clubs to the top level pro league. Uh, mm-hmm. They need to shore up the clubs that are already there, uh, encourage more workshops, to, um, add you know professionalism to these clubs. I mean, there are some very well-run organizations in Nice already. Uh, Maryland Bobcats, they do a great job. They sure. have a great platform, philosophy behind the club. Chattanooga as well, um, just to name a couple. But there are others that I, I won't really dive into that that have a lot of growth to do um mm-hmm. you know we've seen it just from their twitter accounts where they're willing to basically go on and start fighting with fans and supporters and it's just that shouldn't be happening it's unprofessional it very unprofessional it. yeah yeah so i i hope that the league looks at this and and i would also say that you know what i just mentioned the the nisa nation and and the tie-ins with the lower level amateur leagues that's already a step that Nisa's taken to show that they are uh, behind what their what their ideology is supposed to be, and um, we've also talked with Peter Will about uh, the solidarity payments that uh, some clubs have already made down to those those amateur or the uh, youth clubs as well. So mm-hmm. you know the 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 bones are there, right. but uh, we're we're missing a little bit of the pizzazz and the execution. Definitely. So I guess I first want to um, I first want to move forward a little bit. Let's look at usl now with dcfc do you think that this leads to having a a true voice for change within usl and maybe we'll see some some pushes towards uh pro rel maybe with dcfc retaining its ip do you think that sets more of a precedent i i think we're starting to see slow but more movement and traction in a positive direction towards those type of things for the usl um I think with the MLS clubs, you know, you're having leaving, kind of doing their own thing. That gives them more precedent to kind of design their own model or not design their own model, but kind of move forward with the model um, they might want to do or aspirations they might want to have in the future. I mean, it's been pretty much six months now that we keep hearing rumblings of a pro-rail vote, pro-rail vote. And so... 
I can't remember the last time, you know, those sort of rumblings um, were so consistent. Usually they, you know, you might hear them in passing and nothing ever comes of it. It feels like this keeps being brought up over and over again. Yeah. Um, I I want to say it's moving them in the right direction. And I know for a lot of fans of soccer here in the U.S., it's not fast enough. Um, but I think, you know, with the USL championship, it's they're getting there. Um, you know, and I think they're, they, they built a stable model. They, they have something that, you know, if they do make, I don't want to call them drastic changes, but do make changes like a pro rel vote, like, um, kind of scaling back that franchise model. I think, you know, it's not going to hurt them as much. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, I, I want to say yes, like you're an optimist. I'm an optimist. Um, I love the USL. I love the USL championship. I would really love for them to, you know, kind of pursue these theories that kind of vibe with how I want US soccer to be run. Um, but I guess sort of time will tell. Maybe, you know, like yeah. you said, this is the, the first sort of ball to drop in a long line of decisions that are going to be made over the next couple of years. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down in large part to how behind the concept owners are. Um, as yeah. you mentioned, there are both expansion fees and uh, franchise fees for, for clubs in USL. I'm not sure if the franchise fees differ between league one and the championship but i I almost guarantee they do Mm -hmm. uh, as the usl one is supposed to be sort of a cheaper option so it's going to have to uh, come down to owners or the league coming up with some sort of a system to prepare for that transition to okay you know these clubs have not been paying as much but they could have the opportunity of being where you are and not having to pay those fees i'm not sure how they'll set that up right um but i think yeah i think pro rel would be a a big thing and i think that the dcfc supporters um especially the northern guard can be a big voice for that type of change Mm -hmm. um and you know also a a a bit of a um archetype for what supporter culture can be within usl and, and give some of the newer clubs a chance to have um a really good model to follow definitely uh and, you know, even when we look at League One, League One's going as well. You know, you've got Central Valley Fuego we've talked about, Lexington, Northern mm-hmm. Colorado Hailstorm, and Spokane uh, are just the, the current um, confirmed expansion markets that are, are supposed to be joining in the next couple of years. And then we have other markets like Fort Wayne. Um, we have Portland, Maine. Uh, I believe there's an, uh, a New Hampshire club on the way as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that's seven Vermont. clubs in total we, we can talk about. Yeah, in Vermont, all joining right. League One, which is... You know, once the, the, the MLS two teams leave there, I mean, we could be seeing you know, four teams just in League One, which is massive with, with how um, things have been. So, uh, yeah, it, it's looking like a good growth for, for the USL at this point. Um, the the thing I'd like to transition to a little bit is is NISA and where this NISA at. Um, yeah. We did see the statement that NISA released in reference to Detroit leaving, and that was... Um, Very passive-aggressive. Very passive aggressive to the point of just being aggressive. Yeah, it 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 wasn't again, and we were you know you were talking about the professionalism of the clubs in Nisa. It didn't feel like a professional statement from a professional club. It felt very you know obviously I understand that your your poster child is leaving your league like you know they're probably concerned there's probably a lot of concerns happening right now revolving around the nisa leadership but you don't go out and sort of say those things that you said especially as um i could understand if like you know certain owners of certain clubs might have said stuff like that 
but for the league as a whole, it really paints a bad picture, you know, on, you know, something that, you know, I'm trying to catch my thoughts here, but like DCFC is everything Nisa can be. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they are everything that probably Nisa envisioned. And instead of attacking them because they want to pursue bigger and better things, you kind of paint it in a light that, you know, look, like, every club can, you know, have this support. Every club can sort of have this success that you saw at DCFC. And hopefully by the time other clubs get to that, you know, Nisa is going to be established enough that they those clubs won't feel the need to kind of pursue something right. in the USL. Um, it, it was just the complete wrong direction for Nisa to take. Uh, with it's that it's tough, man. And I, I think, you know, this isn't the first time they've seen this happen. So they're a little they're probably at a loss. Um, you know, they lost a great club with Oakland Roots. Right. Uh, they lost Miami mm-hmm. uh, and now they're losing DCFC. And I think part of it comes down to the fact that, you know, those clubs were they they exemplified what can happen with this league. You can get your start in pro and and build up a club that uh, is ready for something more. And I think, as we've heard, uh, Nisa would eventually like to have a a division two league um, to kind of replicate how the USL has the championship in League One and eventually have that all connected to to Nisa Nation. But that's still a couple of years off. I mean, we've seen Nisa Nation get off to a start you know it's not a great start but it's not quite ready and we, we've seen that those clubs are not quite ready to go pro i would say um you know but that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the point is that it's supposed to be a developmental step uh but maybe you know five six years down the line we'll have a good competitive group at uh, nisa pro who have exactly. you know good facility they're stable financially uh and they're competitive hopefully we'll have a chance to see how that competition ranks up against other teams with the u.s open cup but um, it's going to be tough, and I'm not sure how this financially hurts the league if if it does at all. But I think having right. a more a more um, competitive league will actually benefit uh, Nisa in the long haul. I mean, with I the way so. things were going, it was set up that DCFC was going to win the next five uh, Nisa championships in a row, and I'm I'm sure that wouldn't have been great for their viewership numbers. No, definitely not. And it, it, that's the biggest thing. The biggest phrase to take away from all this is they're not quite ready. Nisa just isn't quite there yet. You yeah. know, it, it takes time to build what they want to do. It takes time to kind of not only build that, but also retain your successful clubs. Because, mm-hmm. you know, every club, every player, every coach, every fan group is going to have aspirations to take that next step. This is yeah. going to happen, you know, and brought up the example of the Oakland Roots as well. Like, you know, it's not something that's going to stop happening for Nisa and they're develop, you know, as they're developing as a league. I think yeah. it is huge and a huge kind of look at the league as a whole and what they're building. The fact that USL is coming to ask some of these teams and some of these clubs to join their league. I think it shows that Nisa, you know, with how they've started and how they've allowed these clubs to build is moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, you know, where it goes from here. And as long as they keep building on those sort of blocks that they've been placing down, you know, four or five years, you could, like you said, you could see a strong, stable, lower professional league of U.S. soccer and you won't have a club like DCFC or Oakland leaving to go to the USL or somewhere else. 
Well, I think it's similar to how USL has stabilized. We're not quite seeing the same ambition from USL championship clubs to jump to MLS anymore as I think 10 or so years back. That was that was much more common. I mean, you had Montreal, Definitely. Portland, um, Seattle, all, all Seattle would ever play in USL. Could be totally wrong with that, did. but Orlando City. Orlando City, that's another, that's a good point. But um, yeah, like, I, you know, there was there was clearly always the ambition for a lot of those clubs to just jump to the MLS. And I think we're not quite seeing that as much. I mean, the Austin group was not the bold. Uh, the St. Louis group was not um, St. Louis FC, which uh, I think there were, that situation is a little more complicated. I think there may have been some people that were involved with both St. Louis MLS and St. Louis USL. And mm-hmm. it kind of iced out the USL club. But um, I won't get too into weeds on that. So now, you know, we have a stable group in the US, USL championship, which continues to uh, get more stable and build better facilities, um, right. work to, uh, you know, have a better situation for the players with the recent um, uh, uh, players union agreement that they, they signed. What's that called again? I'm totally uh, blanking bargaining. on that. Is it bargaining agreement? bargaining agreement? Yeah. 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 So I mean, their uh, growth into women's soccer, like, I mean, the yeah, club. Well, okay, actually, that's a great point, Carl. Let's talk about that for like one quick second here. So this now with DCFC joining uh, USL gives them an opportunity to maybe start a W League team and then jump to the, the USL Super League, which is exactly awesome, man. They're going to have a, a professional team on both sides, potentially. And I mean, Detroit is such a great city to be able to build something like this, too. You know, it's a... Uh, it's just a, gr- a bustling community of a lot of excitement mm-hmm. surrounding soccer and surrounding the sport um, from a young age as well. So I, I, again, it just shows that DCFC was looking towards opportunity. They were looking at opportunity and they saw yeah. this, especially with the W League. And um, there probably wasn't going to be a better time for them to make that jump than right now. No, and I mean, I, I remember vaguely we talked about how nisa at one point was looking to partner up with the uh, united women's soccer league mm-hmm. uws and then that kind of fell through so maybe yeah, that was part of it went. you know they were they were looking to have both sides of their club mm-hmm. um become more and more competitive and have have more uh room for growth and without that on the women's side it wasn't looking like you know that was the right opportunity anymore so now they have the exactly. option of, of of joining in that usl structure on the women's side as well which looks prime for growth um so yeah uh dcfc joining usl championship it's looking like it's gonna be a uh a good time man i mean the fans are ready for it they're ready to to show all these usl clubs that they've got what it takes and they can also definitely throw out smack talk all day long um so they're I think, gonna love it i think we're incredibly excited for it um what we're not incredibly excited for is to continue to watch our um, usl championship oh, playoff man. bracket just fall to absolute pieces we just went from depressing to more depressing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't I swear, guys, we watched USL Championship Soccer this year. Like we swear to God, we did. We just yeah. I I don't even know. Like I was looking at my bracket. The only one in the first round of playoffs I got right was Tampa Bay and Louisville. That was the only one. I I lost. I picked the loser in every single other game in that first round. Which is just hilarious. It just shows you, you know, that's why I don't go to a casino or stuff like that because hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do well when it comes to, even if it's a 50-50 shot, I still don't do well. Um, 
But how awesome is that for the league, though, to see that many? I wouldn't really call them underdogs. I mean, in the sense of like El Paso losing to Oakland. Yeah, like, that, I mean, that was huge. what a shock that was. And then um, was the other one. The I think San Antonio might have been the higher seed, but like still, like to to see a league that can be competitive. You know, I think the only match that wasn't really competitive was the Tampa Bay. Yeah, well, I was there, so I can actually talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah, um, that that was a fantastic game. I gotta say, uh, I was thoroughly impressed with how many fans showed up for that game. Uh, I think the official attendance was right around six k. I want to say. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was great. Um, a lot of energy, and especially it was a uh, it was not the warmest night in Tampa. Um, I actually wore like my jersey over a a hoodie just to you know stay a little toasty. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a great game. The one thing I noticed was Tulsa was just leaving the wings open all day long. So it was uh, super easy for Tampa to utilize that space on the wings to bring it in out wide and then cut in, Mm -hmm. uh, on the final third. And that's the, you know, they destroyed Tulsa on those like all day long. Um, but, but yeah, uh, great game. Um, I don't really have too much else to say about it other than I had a lot of beer. And the uh, supporters bar, unfortunately, was closed that day. Uh, Kurgan's. I'm not quite sure why, but fortunately, didn't get an opportunity to uh, go in there. But had a great time cheering on. I was right in the second row, so perfect oh, that's seating. Awesome. It's yeah. it is a baseball stadium, as we've mentioned before. But they've done their best to outfit it to be a little more purposefully built for soccer. Uh, they've got mm-hmm. a nice opposite side um, stand where it's probably like five or six rows of fully seated um seats and then they got a nice standing supporter section as well so they've done a good job um that was a great game ended up being 6-2 i think uh it was probably around the 91st or 92nd minute uh i went out to go to the bathroom before we left because it was like all right it's 5-2 you know this game's this game's over it was good time we're ready to go get headed out and i go to the bathroom (laughs) and they scored their sixth goal in like the 91st 92nd minute just absolutely on the gas pedal Oh no! Yeah, they never took it off, man. But that was that was unfortunately the only um, bright light of our of our playoff picks. I mean, as you mentioned, El Paso lost to Oakland, and probably the biggest surprise of the playoffs so far. Um, our exciting Colorado Switchbacks team uh, did not win against Orange County, which you know I don't think that comes as a huge surprise. Orange County is a good club, so. Right. Um... Birmingham, who the Rowdies play next time, yeah. ended up advancing because the Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, had a lot of positive COVID-19 tests, apparently. Um, almost frightening deja vu for the USL Championship, and hopefully this is the last time we see this in the playoffs. Um, as those of you who pay attention to the USL probably remember, last year's championship game between Tampa Bay and Phoenix never happened. Um, because of so many positive COVID-19 tests. Uh, so hopefully this is all we see from this playoff round um, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. And, you know, it was definitely shocking to see a forfeit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was, that was like a real a, surprise. Instead of I just like a reschedule. Or, but, I was hoping uh, it wouldn't be COVID related. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you keep hoping we're at the end of this and, uh, you know, we keep seeing things kind of pop up every now and then, especially, you know, with professional sports. Um, but hopefully everybody's okay with the Pittsburgh organization. We wish our best to them. 
Um, and it should be a fun, uh, what is it, quarterfinals now? Are we in the quarterfinals? Yeah, quarterfinal. So to round it out, we've got uh, Rio Grande Valley who uh, beat Phoenix on penalties. So that was a game that, that really that went all the way down game. to the wire. Yeah. It was a fun game. Uh, Louisville, surprisingly, just inch past Miami, one nothing. Uh, and then we had um, Charlotte beating Memphis 3-1. So um, another game with a couple goals to it. So in the quarterfinals, we do have uh, on the west side, we've got uh, Oakland Roots, Orange County. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, we got uh, San Antonio and Rio Grande Valley, a little Texas matchup. Uh, and then Tampa Bay playing Birmingham, as you mentioned, and Louisville City versus Charlotte. So um, some great clubs. And How crazy Carl- would that be to see if we saw Oakland go to the USL Championship Finals in their first season? Plus, with all with all the shit that happened at the beginning of the season with their you know I checkerboard know. field yeah. and like, and I mean now you have DCFC making that jump from Nisa to the USL Championship. It would just be like, it would probably be the worst thing. Possibly the next worst thing to happen to Nisa is to watch the Oakland Roots because all these other clubs in Nisa might be like, hmm, wait a second, like they can do it, we can too. And I guess uh, that's that's sort of yeah. the other question um, I've been thinking about: who else is going to join the USL Championship because oh. they got a lot of open spots. Yeah, we should we should have talked about that uh, earlier, but I think for sure Chattanooga um, would would be a desirable club. I mean, they're the only other club in Nisa right now that's pulling respectable attendance figures um right. we've, we heard mention i think a while back that the owner of michigan stars for better or for worse uh would like to join usl i don't see usl being all that excited to have them join uh they have not they have been allegedly polling decent attendance but uh there's a lot of skepticism behind those numbers they're not pulling uh, decent wins that's for sure yeah so i don't know um i think if the cosmos could ever figure anything out and get sold to the right owner that would be a good brand to bring along um and i say brand because you know they haven't really done much on the field for a little while now so it's you really are paying for the brand if they were to join um i like stumptown i know they've been sort of held up by the league but both their complex that they play at and Mm -hmm. the the kind of the branding behind the club would be nice um they haven't performed exceptionally but uh they could be good I think LA Force would like to join. They've, you know, they're they've been okay. It's it, they're yeah. lacking a little bit of identity, I think, which can go for most of the clubs besides, say, like uh, Chicago House. But uh, time will tell, man. I think you know I'll, I will keep tabs on what these clubs are doing off, mostly off the pitch, mm-hmm. to see if they're primed and ready for that. I mean, you, like we've mentioned, you got to have the professionalism to make that jump, um, and things can be really rocky if you don't. Like you said, with yeah. Oakland Roots, I mean, they struggled to kind of get off the ground in the beginning of the season and have really turned that around. For sure. But uh, I think Chattanooga would be my pick yeah. as the most likely club to make that switch. Uh, I actually, I'm glad you brought this up because this was a whole point that um, I really kind of stuck to a lot on Twitter. I would absolutely love it if they joined USL League One and we had the Chattanooga Derby, Ooh. the River City Derby. Oh, I mean, they man, already dude. don't like each other. No, exactly. That would be such a good derby to have, man. Like, especially if it was walkable or they, you know, bust from one stadium to the other. Oh, I know there's territory rights and that's an issue that USL has got to figure out. But would that not be a terrific, be you beautiful. know, small city rivalry, man? 
And especially a great city too, kind of a hidden gem city that everybody always talks about, especially when it comes um, to excitement around soccer. Like yeah. you, everybody, I, I haven't personally been to Chattanooga and experienced this, but everybody I feel like I've talked to who's went there, you know, checked out um, either in NISA or USL League One, one of the games has been like, I was surprised. Like it, it just, everybody yeah. is so excited about around these clubs and um, about just the sport in general that I think it would be, you know, step aside Boca Juniors and River Plate because yeah, we, would yeah, yeah, a, yeah. we would have another we lost fierce... the rest of our South American fans after that yeah. statement. No. Uh, but but yeah, man, it's a beautiful city. And I think it's also emblematic of where we are uh, in terms of being a soccer country. I mean, we're talking about Tennessee, which is football country. Mm. And you have that much energy in Tennessee for soccer is incredible. I mean, Nashville, Memphis, uh, both the clubs in Chattanooga. Uh, it's it's crazy to see that much energy and desire for soccer in that state. So, yeah, I, I'd go awesome. with Chattanooga as just to you know, give a concrete answer as the, the club most likely to join USL after this. Definitely. I second that. I think that would be a perfect fit for them. And we'll see what happens. You know, it's there's going to be a lot of movement um, in both NISA and the USL championship um, just in this offseason. You know, with as many changes are happening with, you know, the MLS teams mm-hmm. leaving and hopefully all the changes, you know, are good changes, at least in our eyes, unless you you'll be hearing about them on this podcast and we'll complain about them and we'll, you know, We'll yell at the at the clouds. Why have you forsaken us, U.S. Soccer God, once again? Yeah. Uh, well, and that's actually I, I totally forgot about this earlier, but one of the biggest points that uh, Nisa made about DCFC leaving for uh, for USL was that apparently DCFC had committed for the 2022 season, and yikes. they were part of the United States Soccer um, sanctioning application. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that being a bit of an annoyance, but I think Nisa has already announced quite a few teams that uh, will be joining up, so they should be fine when it comes down to it. Do, uh, is Nisa petty enough to f- actually like fight that? Like, I legally, mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't. I, I hope not. I hope not because I they just... owe a lot to DCFC as it is. Yeah. Oh man, that that's gonna be a never-ending off-season story. I feel like that we're just gonna want to to stop. Uh, because just I need I, I get it like DCFC committed to the season and then they're like you know what we're actually gonna do this and mm-hmm. um, and the announcement as well before the season even ended was another right. thing but that's not yeah. super unlike how it went with the roots and no. uh, Miami and Miami was like yep uh, Nisa were Nisa and then I forget what club I think it was I think it was Ottawa they actually bought the USL franchise license from. When mm-hmm. Ottawa lost their sanctioning for USL because of the Canadian Premier League starting up, uh, they quickly sold it to Miami. And it was like, yep, we're USL championship now. Um, <laughs> See ya. So it's not super unlike those situations. No. But uh, I have one more question, Carl. We actually have a question from a listener. Um, the listener being my girlfriend. So, you know, we're... <laughs> We are getting them from friends and family. Uh, Two episodes in a row. She's I know. Well, we got a question uh, on Carl. What is our favorite stadium food? Stadium. When food. you go to a game, what are you? What is on the top tier of your snack list? Chicken tenders. Chicken tendies. That's actually what and we got French last fries. game. Hell Chicken yeah. tenders and French fries. No matter if it's a soccer game, if it's a baseball game, if it's a basketball game, or the other, the second one. That's a close verse. Dippin' dots. If you go really? to a stadium, 
it doesn't matter if it's 20 degrees outside like it is most of the time in Cleveland, you get Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots are a pretty pretty classic option. Um, I also like a nice stadium hot dog. I don't know why they just like, I'm not usually one to be like, yeah, I'm going to have hot dog tonight. But like you go to a stadium and it's just like a whole different animal. I can't even, I, I think the last time I actually had a hot dog was at a stadium. Like, I don't just, like, boil some water and throw a couple, you know, hot yeah. dogs in there. Like, or, um, no, that's that's a good choice. And, you know, there's a lot of good stadium food. And, you know, if you really want to mortgage the house, you could be able to afford most of it. So, um, I, what are the prices like in Tampa Bay, like, at their stadium? Are they? It was kind of just... expensive. I mean, I don't think the beer prices are actually all that bad. I think I paid, like, $5 for a pretty bad. decent, like, IPA or something, maybe 6 bucks. So not yeah. not awful. But, you know, I think that's just that just comes with the territory. There's very few places where you can go to get reasonably priced food. I think Atlanta might be one of them. I think, really... yeah, the new stadium, like, and then, then they have the Chick-fil-A. And the, I mean, that whole stadium's like a giant mall anyways. And then, yeah. Um, they play soccer and football and others. So, um, yeah. other but, than some of the places that do like dollar beer night, like Phoenix, oh, um, it's good. really, it's Fantastic. rare to get good prices in a stadium and I, I reasonably so that's how they make their money. So we right. can't, we can't fault him for that. Uh, Carl, anything else that we, you know, we'll do a little free discussion here. I was going <sighs> to bring up the one thing that I saw that was kind of cool. I mean, we like to talk about United States soccer. Uh, we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. this year that Gianluca Busio, uh, went to Europe. Uh, by joining Venezia and Syria, and Carl, um, kind of impressively, I I checked the stats on Venezia, and I know it's not you know the best way to kind of analyze a player, but uh, mm-hmm. according to Footmob, Gianluca Busio has the uh, has the highest player rating uh, on that squad right now. So he, he's good for been, him, man. He's been starting he, like every game. He's been fantastic, and I think the last round of World Cup qualifiers, you saw uh, Berhalter give him a little bit more time on the pitch, you know, either coming off the bench, and I can't remember if he started him at one game or not, but the kid's fantastic. You know, he's had a lot of sort of expectations surrounding him when he was at Sporting KC. Um, It was just a matter of, you know, if not, you know, sort of when, not if he was going to be leaving there, and um, no, I think hopefully... I didn't even see what the squad was. I got called up for this round of World Cup qualifiers. I kind of have been so yeah. involved. I think I the... saw Pooley was was involved. So that that goes to show that I think they're taking this a little more seriously. Um, you know, Mexico like, man. Yeah, we got some. We got some young. Mexico. We got some young bucks really proving their their worth. Um, I think I've I've seen some rumors now of Pepe getting picked mm-hmm. up potentially in the January transfer window by not just some clubs in in Europe, but like Premier League clubs apparently are. Are looking at him so uh i saw like west ham as a potential option but i, I know I would, An- they got anthony right now right so who? Are, yeah who, who, I, i'd who really rather see no i'd rather see him go to a spot where he's gonna get, i wouldn't mind a move to like psv or like IS yeah and not then. a bad idea or like maybe maybe somewhere in the bundesliga they've they've done a decent job of, of pulling up young talent yeah so it should be exciting we got another round of world cup qualifiers coming up um you know it, it should be a really kind of telling, I guess, uh, window of qualifiers to really see where we're at. We start off against Mexico, and then we think have like Jamaica in there somewhere, and um, just hopefully, you know, we don't play down to the competition. We kind of bring our A game, and I mean, hopefully, we qualify. That's just at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing that 
you know, we're sort of looking for right now is just to qualify, um, do a lot better than we did last time. Um, yep. Yeah, we got we got the United uh, Mexico game tomorrow, nine mm-hmm. ten p.m. Eastern, and Tuesday the sixth, the November sixth. Uh, we got a game against Jamaica. So we got some good games to look forward to here. Uh, big things happening for the United States men's national team. They better freaking qualify. And uh, big things happening in lower league soccer. So continue to tune in to Touchline Takes. We'll, we'll we will continue to to give you our our takes on the situation. Um, there are some outlets who, you know, I think like the protagonists, they do a really good job of not going too far in the direction of speculation. Um, they like to mm-hmm. tell it like it is. They, they're very professional in that regard. Um, so if you're looking for people who are willing to, uh, be idiots, then you should listen to more touchline takes because we will speculate all goddamn day long. We, we are very firmly in the position that we are just, we're basically the bloggers of the soccer world where we're willing to touch on anything. And if we're wrong in our opinions or what we're talking about for rumors, it's okay. We'll pretend we didn't say it. Yeah, it's okay. We'll just walk it back. No, it's check out all those other outlets guys and be sure definitely to follow us on all our social media outlets um that's where you can get the latest news going on um make sure to hit that subscribe button if you like this episode if you did not like this episode still hit it and send it to a family member who yeah. you might think will like we try to get episodes every other friday so expect that um this is a bit of an unusual one but it's been an unusual week so Definitely. I'm glad I'm glad we were able to get together and cover this, Carl. For sure, man. Um, you take care and go follow some soccer. See you later. See you, man. <laughs>